0: Well, good morning, White Oak. Uh, my name is Kevin, and I'm the campus pastor here at Colerain, and uh, we are continuing in on our series for FOR, and over the last few weeks, we've been taking a look at exactly what it is that White Oak stands for, what, what it is that we're about, what it is that we're trying to champion, what it is that we're trying to raise up, and so uh, we've been taking a look at a bunch of different things. And so today, uh, the big idea, the thing that we really want you to catch hold of is that we are for building dreams. And uh, one of the statements that uh, we've been saying all along through this series, and uh, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, um, you've seen it for sure, but, uh, but it's this idea. For far too long, the church has been known for what we're against. We should be known for what we are for. And so today as we take a look at the idea of building dreams, we want you to understand that we here at White Oak are for the idea of building dreams. And uh, both here as a church and and in you individually, uh, we are for this idea of dreams. Now it's kind of funny that uh, that I'm going to stand up here and talk about dreams because I want to share with you what's been going on in my life over the course of the last 10 or so days. And uh, the word dream is not the word that I would use. Even though uh, my family and I have been in Florida and we were able to go on a vacation, uh, the last 10 days uh, maybe could be described as, for some... A nightmare. And uh, so let me just uh, go back and share with you everything that's been going on. Um, so my wife and I, along with my two daughters, have been scheduled to be a part of a mission trip that we planned before we ever came here to be a part of White Oak. And so it's connected with our old church, our, my home church back in Brighton. So we were scheduled to go to Haiti on July the 4th. Right before we were leaving for vacation, uh, we got word that things were taking a bad turn in Haiti and that our trip was in jeopardy of have, happening. So on last Friday, the day that we were scheduled for leave for vacation, um, we called an emergency meeting. There's uh, 33 of us planning to go to Haiti. And so we got as many people together as we could where we basically laid out two options that they were going to have. Uh, those two options were to reschedule uh, for Haiti next year or the ministry organization that we were going through had got a new location lined up for us that we could move our trip from Haiti to Guatemala. What ended up happening was that uh, half of our team decided that they were going to rebook for next year and half of our team, there's going to be about 16 of us, are going to go to Guatemala and we're going to leave on July 6th. Now, all of this is happening on the evening that we are leaving for Florida. And so just imagine the logistics of emails and just all the correspondence and just the planning that needs to take place in order to reroute a mission trip that's been a year in the works from one country to another. And so uh, one of the first things that happened is I had a, a friend that, that stood, stood up and just said, hey, I will take care of like all of the emails and stuff like that. He goes, I'll, I'll contact the team and, and I'll work with Lifeline and I'll just do all that stuff. And so that was one of the things that we, we knew going into the vacation, man, there's going to be some stuff we're going to have to take care of, some some logistics that we're going to have to deal with about this trip that's coming up here in a few weeks. One of the other things that happened, maybe you're aware of, uh, I'm not exactly sure how the word got out, but uh, last Sunday morning, uh, we woke up about 7 a.m., and the lady that uh, was taking care of our dog called us on the phone, and so when we finally got in touch with her, uh, she told us that uh, about a foot of water had come into our garage, into our basement. And so imagine being... 700 miles away and finding out that your basement just flooded and just how helpless you feel and uh, how frustrated you are And when Katie and I you know the big thing is we were just wondering like what's ruined? What's not we can't even think about what was down there like you know what I mean, and it's like we, we were just you know uh, our basements become a collection place for stuff uh, for our six kids or four kids and, and Katie and I and uh, and so it's just been you know that was crazy um, but through all of that, uh, in the midst of all of that just kind of chaos, um, somehow on Father's Day, the day that it happened, uh, between we called one of our friends uh, over in Bright and just was like, hey, would you be able to go over and get eyes on the situation and let us know what's going on? Somebody said that our uh, hot water heater was, uh, was not working properly, they could smell some gas, and so he's a pretty handy guy, and so he was going to go over and turn the gas off for us. Uh, Next thing we know, we're getting messages that uh, between Bright and White Oak, that there was about 50 people in our house taking out drywall, taking out stuff that was ruined, uh, pulling things and putting them on tables, helping dry out. And so in the midst of really what could have been a nightmare one of the things that Katie and I have always wanted for our family, one of the dreams that I would say that, that we really, really want for our kids and for ourselves, is to be rooted in community. Uh, to be in a place where we feel like we've got surrounded ourselves with people who have our back and, and who are there for us. And uh, that was never lived out more than at a time when we really felt helpless when, when the church, capital C, rallied around us and, uh, and really did more for us than we could ever uh, imagine or be able to say thank you for. And, and so it took this horrible kind of situation that we were in and made it manageable. It took this, you know what I mean, kind of um, bad nightmare and, and made it into something that you could look back and be humbled about and be thankful about. You know, we pulled into the driveway last night at 8 p.m. to our house to see it for the first time, and there sat one of my friends, Tim, who was basically replacing our old hot water heater and putting a new one in because he wanted to make sure that when we got home last night, we'd be able to take a hot shower and that it was all done for when we got home. And it was little things like that. I know that people here stepped up in huge ways and helped us out too. And, uh, And it's just, you know, I mean, when we talk about what the church is for... Right, what we want to be for as a church—it's those moments, you know. What I mean, that—that that encapsulates for me, at least on my end, you know what it, what a church family is about. A couple weeks ago, I shared just a little bit about the impact that being a part of a local church has had on my life, and it's moments like this that really just continue to uh, reinforce this idea that we were created for community, that we were created to be to belong, that, uh, that, that the church really fills this huge need that we have in our lives. And so when we talk about what we are for as a church, it's moments like these. As insignificant maybe in the grand scheme of life that some of this stuff seems like it's exactly what the church is for when it comes to being and stepping up and being in people's lives. So today as we talk about dreams and building dreams and big dreams. One of the things that I want to do is I want to take a look at a guy who is in the Old Testament. His name is Nehemiah. And so if you've got your Bible and you want to turn to Nehemiah chapter one, or if you're using your app or anything like that, you can, you can find that. We're going to jump into it in just a second. So Nehemiah is a guy who's been kind of exiled from his home country and is living in a foreign country. And he works as a servant to a king. And so uh, Jerusalem, his hometown, has been ransacked several times. There's been several exoduses from there. People have been pulled out of their homeland to, to live in other countries. And, uh, and so the state of the uh, city of Jerusalem is that it is kind of in ruin. It's not really good. And so Nehemiah, who's from there but not living there, uh, runs into some friends of his who had been in Jerusalem recently. And so he just kind of asks them, hey, what is the state of affairs of our homeland? You know, what is the city of Jerusalem like? And he just gets this bad news. You know, the, the picture that's painted from his friends is not good. And this information just breaks Nehemiah's heart. You know, he, he just, he's in mourning for what has happened to his city. And so, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, check out what it says. This is Nehemiah speaking. And uh, and he's quoting his friends here. He says, They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province area are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And now this this is Nehemiah speaking. He says this. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for some days. I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before God of heaven. And Nehemiah got the word that his, that his city was in disgrace. He, he got word that his city was just in, in shambles and it broke his heart. And, and, and he just found himself in mourning And it says he fasted and he prayed. And I want you to keep... I just want you to remember what it is that Nehemiah's reaction was. All right? Uh, So Nehemiah begins to spend this time fasting and praying. And he begins to come up with an idea. Nehemiah has a vision. Nehemiah has a dream. And Nehemiah's dream is that he wants to see the city walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. And he just begins... this, This dream begins to grow in him. It begins to get larger and larger. It begins to grow in him and uh, and he can no longer sit idly by. He has to do something about this dream. One day he's coming into his king and his king just notices something's different about him. He, he's broken-hearted. He, he, his face is down and so he asks him about it and, uh, and he begins to, uh, to explain to the king what's going on. And so the king finally, in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 4, just asks him, He says, hey, quit beating around the bush and tell me, what is it that you want? And so in verse 4, the king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. All right? So Nehemiah's got this burden. He's he shared about this thing that's happening in his city, and it breaks his heart. He, he comes up with this vision, this dream of what he wants to see happen. And then he talks to, and he shares this dream with his king, and, and says, can you send me back to rebuild it? The last thing that Nehemiah does is that he shares it with the people that can, that can really help him. He, he goes back home and he begins to cast this vision. He begins to share this dream with his own people because he's in the recruiting phase now. And he wants to get these people to help him rebuild this wall. Check out Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 17 and 18. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruin, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Look, Nehemiah had a dream. And, and, he, and he had this dream, and it came from this place where something that he saw, some injustice that he saw, some problem that he saw, it broke his heart. And let me just ask you, let me just pose this question to you. What is it that's out there that breaks your heart? What is it that's out there that's happening in the world? What is it that's out there that's happening in your, your kid's school? What is it that's happening around you? And you look at it, and you think, man, there's just got to be a solution for this. Man, God cannot be happy with the way that this is going. There's got to be something better. What is it out there that just breaks your heart? What is it out there that just fuels a dream that's inside of you? Nehemiah had a dream to see the gates and the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. And he began to materialize that dream into action, and he began to recruit other people to help him. He began to be so bold as to go to his king and say, hey, look, not only do I have a dream, but I'm going to need your help, and I'm going to need these supplies, and I'm going to need this stuff to make it happen. What is it that that breaks your heart? What is it that you want to see fixed? What is it that God's laying on your heart to do for the kingdom? There's three things that Nehemiah did that I want to take a look at, that I want to share with you, that I think that we can learn something from. If you remember back at the very beginning, Nehemiah chapter 1, the very first thing that Nehemiah did when he heard about what was going on in Jerusalem is that he prayed. Nehemiah prayed about the situation. Let Let me just ask you, is prayer your first thought? Is prayer your go-to? Nehemiah bathed this in prayer. And, and not just, you know, uh, prayed about it. It said for days, Nehemiah prayed about this situation. I think far too often prayer uh, probably falls down further. Or it's something that it's often overstepped or, or, or lost in the process of our dream building. Nehemiah made sure that he prayed about what was going on. So much so that when the king said, Hey, what is it that you want? What is it that I can do for you? Check out what he said. Remember what he said there? He says, he says Then I prayed to God of heaven and I answered the king. It was like this, this kind of prayer where he was like, Okay, God, I got my chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the king this information, but be with me. Right? He, he's like, even in the midst of requesting this thing from the king... He was first asking God to bless what was about to happen. Nehemiah was a man of prayer, and prayer was his go-to, and prayer bathed this entire dream. And so let me ask you, do you bathe your prayer, your dreams, in prayer? Do you bathe the thing that you, that's breaking your heart, the thing that you think God wants to accomplish, do you bathe that thing in prayer? second thing Nehemiah did is Nehemiah developed a plan. When the king asked him what he wanted, it was a very concise answer. He, he knew what exactly what he was. We didn't read all of it, but, but he knew exactly what supplies he needed. He knew that he needed safe passage to get from where he was back to Jerusalem. He knew what supplies he was going to need to accomplish his task. So many times our dreams live in this kind of uh, dream state, right? And they just stay there. We don't really know what it would take to accomplish them. We don't really do the, any of the legwork that, that would be required to, to actually achieve that goal. We just, we just don't know what, what it would take. And we don't take the time to put pen to paper to figure it out. I mean, maybe your dream is just that you simply want to get out of debt. You want to get your family out of debt. You want to be debt free because you know what kind of a blessing that could be for your home. Well, that's the dream. And then the plan is what's it going to take to do that? What's that really look like? And so, so many times our dreams just live up in this kind of, you know, imaginary land. And we never really get them down to paper to figure out what they look like. You know, God wants to bless what you're doing. God wants to be a part of your dream. And so that's why prayer is the first thing. But some organization and some thought is going to have to go into accomplishing your goal. And Nehemiah had a plan. He developed it. Third thing that Nehemiah did is that he shared his dream. He shared it with the king because the king was going to have resources that he was going to need. He shared it with the king because he was going to need time off of work to go and be sent. I mean, think about the, just the big ask that, that that is. To ask his king, would you be willing to send me? I'm no longer going to be working for you. Will you send me back home so that I can rebuild these walls? And oh, by the way, I'm going to need... X, Y, and Z, to accomplish it. But he shared that dream with his king. And then he got home and he shared it with his people. Let me me tell you, there there are people who are just by nature, they are dreamers. But there's people all around you who have a like-minded dream as you do. They have the same vision, but they're never going to act on it until somebody comes along and says, hey, what do you think about doing this? I've got this vision, I've got this dream. And you know what you do? You you speak life into their dream and all of a sudden they wanna be a part of what it is that you're doing because they have the same dream that you do. Nehemiah came back home and he said, hey, are you tired of seeing our city look like this? And there were people like, yeah. We're just sick and tired of living like this. And he said, do you wanna rebuild this wall? And they said, yeah. He said, I've got a plan, I've got a vision, I've got a dream. And I think that we can do this. And so they did. One of the things I want to, I want to peel back just for a second. Well, one of the things that happens when, when you preach like this and, you're, and you do this in multiple services is that I have these conversations with myself about how did that go? And so, you know what I mean? kind of feeling car lagged, you know what I mean, as far as like driving back from Florida, but I was having this conversation with myself in between services, I was like, ah, I think that went pretty well. And then we were sitting here singing earlier, and God just spoke to me and he said, you know what, you didn't really share anything about adversity. You didn't really speak into the fact that this isn't always going to be easy. And sometimes when we share these dreams, sometimes when we have a burden for what breaks our heart, sometimes when we have this thing that God's put in on our heart, it doesn't come easy. Nehemiah in chapter 4 faces opposition to his building, rebuilding of this wall. At one point in time, Nehemiah instructs his workers to have their trowel in one hand and a sword in another hand because there were enemies that were coming that did not want to see this wall rebuilt. When you have a dream, when you have a God-sized dream, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face adversity. It will not always come easy. But if it is a God dream, if it is a dream that needs to happen, I believe that you can make it through. Even in the face of adversity. Listen, there's something that I want you to get. This is kind of a big idea for for this message. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. When your dreams exceed, Exceed your memories, you pioneer. You understand what that's saying? There's a stereotype that I have in my, in my brain. It's probably fueled by too many 80s movies. But, but there's a guy who in high school peaks. All the things that he ever know, is known for, or anything good that he ever did, happened when he was in high school. Right? He's probably thirty-two years old and he still wears his high school letterman jacket, and every party he goes to, he talks about some touchdown that he threw, but he never moves beyond that place. He never does anything new. He never does anything else. And he's trapped in his past. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. But when your dreams exceed your memories, you have the opportunity to be a pioneer. It's not that the past is not good. It's not that we don't celebrate what happened in the past. But you cannot live there. It cannot be all there is. We have to dream about what the future looks like. Look, we, we live this out. Katie, last night when we were, got home... My buddy was finishing up the hot water heater, and we were just kind of around, and Katie began to just barely make a scratch into kind of assessing the damage of our basement. And she walks out, and she's got this big, clear bin. And I was like, and you can see there's like water floating in the bottom. And I was like, what is that? And uh, she said, it's all of our kids' memory books that I've been making and it's just like, she had a full file folder for every kid and it was just keepsakes. You know what I mean? Artwork that they'd made in school and like footprints and just all this different stuff. And it's just, you know, it's lost. And as hard as that is, I know that for Katie and I, for our kids, we don't live in the past. Yeah, it's, it's you know, nobody wants to lose that stuff. But our vision for our kids is more about what they're going to do in the future. And it's not connected to that. And those things are nice. But we have a bigger vision for our kids' future. White Oak has always had a pioneering spirit. It is part of who we are. White Oak has uh, partnered and helped launch other campuses... Uh, White Oak has started ministries within this building that have broken out and, and now are, are part of the greater Cincinnati area and globally as well. Look, we, uh, the founding of the Pregnancy Care Center of Cincinnati, now called Life Forward, had its roots here at White Oak. multi in the country of India, before multi-siding was even a thing back in the 1980s, had its DNA start with people from White Oak. White Oak helped start the Mount Healthy Christian Home. There's so many different things that that White Oak has been a part of the pioneering of, right? New campuses. We are about this idea of pioneering. And sometimes when you do these great things, you can look back and you can just hold on to your memories, But we have to continue that pioneering spirit, and so we, as a church, have to continue to dream big. And we have to challenge our people to dream big as well. Because I believe that God wants to do something in you and through you. He's got something, a dream, a burden, a vision that He's cast on your heart that only maybe you can accomplish. Jesus had a vision for His followers. And it was a big vision. And sometimes I think it gets lost how big this vision is. Check out Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It's up on the screen. He said to them, go into all the world. You hear that? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And Jesus shared a dream with his followers, right before he ascends back up into heaven. And I'll tell you, this is a big dream. It's a dream that says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Jesus left a huge dream for his followers because Jesus was about big dreams. As you consider your dreams, and as we talk about White Oak's dreams, there's a couple questions that you need to ask yourself, All right. Okay, the first question is this, what now? Maybe this morning you've just been given permission to dream for the first time. You're like, you know what, I I need to have a dream. Maybe you've been reminded of a dream you have. Maybe as you've been thinking you, you were posed that question, what breaks your heart? Maybe you just wrote down a dream. But the question is, what now? What do you do now about your dream? What are you going to start doing today? What are you going to start doing tomorrow about that dream that you have? When we talk about it as a church, what now? One of the first things that we're doing is is these intentional sermon series, like we're doing right now, the four series, where we just want to remind you and remind the community what it is that White Oak stands for. What it is that we're really about. Well, what is it? It's at the heart of our DNA, and we want people to know that. The next question that you would ask yourself, next question we would ask ourselves, is this: What's next? So that's a tough question to ask yourself. What am I going to do next? Because that means doing something new, means doing something different, it means doing something you've never done before in order to accomplish the dream that God's placed on your heart. So what's next? What's next for us as a church? You know, I've only been here a short amount of time, but one of the things that continues to be brought up, one of the things that continues to be talked about is the fact that multi-site is a part of our DNA. I do not believe that we have launched our last campus. And so I continue to see us pioneering in the way of multiplying. I'm excited for Rick. He's preaching right now at Ross, and he's talking about this idea of multiplying within a series, and he's going to be up here next week talking about that very same thing. I believe that multiplication is a part of White Oaks DNA going forward. Right now, if you're going to be serving communion and offering, uh, if you would make your way to the back, um, that would be great. So let me ask you So, what's your dream? What breaks your heart like Nehemiah's broken walls and his broken city? Let me challenge you this, okay? Let me challenge you to be praying about your dreams. The dream that God put on your heart, bathe that in prayer. All right. Let me challenge you to ask for clarity and for God's blessing on whatever it is that He's placing on your heart. Let me challenge you to develop a plan to accomplish your dream. Put pen to paper and start to work out the process. What's it going to take to do what it is that you want to do? And then let me challenge you to share your dreams with others. you got to share that dream with somebody else. You know what happens when you share your dream with another person? That's that moment where it becomes real. When it just lives in your head, kind of swirling around there, you can pretend like it doesn't exist. But when you begin to speak to somebody else about it, when you begin to talk to somebody else about the dream that you have, You're now held accountable for it. Now people are going to ask you about it. What are you doing about that? And so it's that moment when it becomes real. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. And I thank you for the dreams that you place on each and every one of our hearts, God. I pray that you continue to work through us and to live through us, God. I just pray that you would help us to catch a vision of the dream that you have for our lives. And help us to accomplish those dreams. I thank you so much for your son Jesus. And the dream that he has. And the vision that he has. For us to go into all the world. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. I want to just leave you with this last idea. Jesus' vision for us. Was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To all creation. That was his big dream. And so whatever dreams that we have should be a part of making sure that this dream gets accomplished. And if you've never been a part of knowing Jesus, if this whole thing is new to you, then I just challenge you that you can, you can mark it on your connection card. You can come up and talk to me. Uh, we would love to talk to you about what having a relationship with Jesus looks like. Thank you.